3: well, I'm Alyssa Gadeski, one of your hosts. I'm here with my co-host, Haley Chura, who is the eighth place champion from Ironman 70.3 Indian Wells La Quinta race that happened over this last weekend. And uh, I'm super pumped to hear all about this race. We haven't chatted too much about it. So, Haley, congratulations on finishing your season although I guess this is kind of maybe we can call it mid-season for you now or kicking off your season I don't know what you want to say but I heard it was like a tough hot day out there in Indian Wells
0: so tell me tell me all about it how was it I know I think the season's like year-round now right so I'm like we're all like on our own schedule but um it was, you know, I, it was fun. You know, it's fun to be at a race. And we talked before this. Like I have raced in Indian Wells before. You and I both raced there in 2018, which is the first year they had the race. And it is a really nice venue. And um, and so that is. Um, it was cool to be back and kind of like have that where you're like, oh, I recognize things. And and then it is every time I get to go to a race now, and I, you know, get to meet up with people. It's such a joy and it has gotten, you know, it, it's so fun to see people. Cause I feel like I I don't take that effort granted, you know, being able to be part of that triathlon community, um, and see people that you only see at races. And I feel like, you know, we used to do that fairly frequently and now it's not as frequent, but, um, you know, both those pro competitors and age group competitors. So it was really fun to meet up with some people and, share some stories. And at least, you know, at this venue and being in Southern California in December, it's like nice to, and it was very warm. And so being able to hang out afterwards and chat and, um, you know, in our tank tops and whatnot. Well, I think back in Montana, they were getting like several inches of snow. So I didn't take that for granted either, even though it was warm. And Haley, I did notice. So Nicole uploaded her ride
3: to Strava. Nicole's the 10th place champion from Indian Wells. And I noticed this like squiggly line. I was like, what the heck did Nicole get lost at one point? What was she doing? I like literally was like trying to figure out what was going on, but it appears that I knew they had changed the bike course. Like I had heard murmurs of that, but it appears that they added some sort of a racetrack into the bike. So
0: tell me about this. How was that? I forgot that they were, that they did that. that They changed the course and. I was kind of pre-driving part of the course before, and I was like, "What is this squiggle?" I was the same thing. I was like, "What is this?" And then I drove past it. I couldn't find it, and then I was like, "Oh my goodness, that's a racetrack in there!" Like it was gated, so you couldn't like see it before, which makes sense. But I was like, "Whoa, I'm kind of excited for that." And so for my own day, like I will say, like the swim was not as cold as when you and I did it in 2018. It was like 60 degrees Fahrenheit, which is like my preferred temperature with a wetsuit. I felt like I wasn't too warm. And I mean, I love, I was like, Oh, I love that temperature. (laughs) So I felt awesome during the swim. And then, you know, the bike had some ups and downs, but I was like, one of the things I was really looking forward to was riding on the racetrack. Cause I've never done that before. And even though I've been in this sport for however many, you know, over 10 years, I've never, I've never ridden on a racetrack. And so that was it like from mile 35 to 40 there was like five miles that you're like kind of winding around on this racetrack and like, and on some of the surrounding streets. And I was a little nervous cause I was like, am I going to know which direction to go? Like, is it going to be really crowded? And luckily when I went through there, it wasn't, it wasn't crowded at all. And like, I hadn't practiced that. So I'm sure my cornering was like, not as good as it probably could have been, but it was fun. Like that was my favorite part of the whole bike. I mean, the roads are like the road surface is like perfect. And then it was just like, it just felt really special to like be in there. And it was, it was really windy. It wasn't like, I know Clash Daytona happened this last weekend and that's like a bit, you know, on a all on a racetrack and more of a big oval and I have not done that race. This one was a little bit more like windy. Like you wound through like different parts of this track and this like kind of neighborhood that's surrounding the track. And it was just cool. It was like a totally different experience. It was nice for my brain to just have like a different, because a lot of Indian Wells that course is very like straight, you know, and, wind or headwind or whatnot and um that was like a nice little like five miles of just something totally different and there was there's a
3: lot of racing in general going on um so I admit that I'm like a little not up to speed with all of the, the results because I just, I think I had a weekend where I wasn't paying attention to too much, except for like, I made sure to check in on you Haley at Indian Wells. And I, had, um, you know, some of my athletes just racing elsewhere. So I wasn't paying too much attention to triathlon news, but Xterra did go off. Um, I guess there's a big storm that happened. So they canceled the swim there and it was like a run bike run. And I, you know, do want to give a shout out to Brandy good 13th in the world there at Xterra world championships. Uh, we interviewed Brandy earlier this year on Iron Women, and it's exciting to see her race clearly went pretty
0: well there too. Oh yes, okay. As and while we're giving shoutouts, um, sorry, I'm backing up a bit, but Nicole Focaro, who you just mentioned, um, she brought me a cookie to the pro meeting. You know, Iron Women guest and Iron Women listener obviously knew the way to my heart. <laughs> it was so nice. And Fiona Moriarty, who's like another Iron Women guest and listener she gave me some chocolate when i met her um and i was like wow people really listen and i was like this is so kind and so i will give you know some of my credit to that my performance was probably fueled by chocolate well fueled yeah (laughs) (laughs) but i was like oh this is like a perk of the podcast that i just never expected that people would bring me treats (laughs) but um also um shout out to jess smith who is you know, she isn't someone we've interviewed yet, but we probably should. But, um, you know, she is someone that you and I raced as age groupers with. Right. And she was like a top age grouper who I think went pro just before us. And I just, I mean, I remember racing with her, like, you know, around the 2010 time, you know, we're talking like more than a decade ago and it was interesting. And this is probably something we should talk to her about on the podcast, but she's had two children since then. And, um, and when I was talking to her at the pro meeting, she was talking about how Know she's she's like, I'm a lifer in this sport, like, I'm always gonna be doing it. I thought that was really cool, and it just like was um, it was so good to see her. And because I hadn't seen her in a little bit, I mean, thank you, pandemic. Um, I haven't seen anyone in a bit, but um, and then I will say my last mile of the run, like, I will say of my race, I think my first mile of the swim or 1.2, and then my last mile of the run were my big highlights. And the last mile it was because Jess was like three seconds behind me at the final turnaround and I didn't realize she was there. <laughs> I was like, and it was one of those things, I'm like, okay, this is what, I had no idea what place I was in. And I was like, okay, this is what competition is all about. Like, if Jess wasn't there, I wouldn't have pushed that last mile like I did. And I'm thankful for that because it did, you know, it was like one of those things where I was like, okay, this is why I'm here, I'm here to compete. And I wanna have a strong last mile, like you can do this. Like maybe you don't, aren't feeling super good. And I was not filling up for a sprint finish. And so luckily there were some uphills and I'm pretty good, like uphill runner. And so I was like, okay, okay. And then it is one of those things. I'm like, do I look back? Do I look back? <laughs> like, um, and I was trying to like gauge the cheers on the side and be like, you know, are they saying like, go ladies? You know, are they yeah. like. You <laughs> I was gonna know? say the ladies. The ladies is always like the key, right? <laughs> like, is there more than one of us? Like, <laughs> well,
3: Haley, back in my Turkey Trot 5k, there was actually someone who cheered and I was like a little bit, I had like let the woman who was in second and I was in third and i let her like have a little bit of room and I wasn't like right on her heels and someone was like, go ladies. And I was like, no, don't let her know that I'm here. <laughs> like
0: <laughs> <laughs> when you're behind or when you're ahead, cause you are, you're like listening for like yeah. the, the crowd. And I'm like, I don't want to look back, but I did look back at one point. Cause I was just like, I need to know if I'm going to have a sprint finish. Like... You know, it was just, I mean, it was some days I like fantasize about having a sprint finish because I have like a good, you know, I feel like I would bet on myself. But in that moment, I I did not feel like I was ready. I I was like, there are, this is not a day when I want a sprint finish. And so I was like trying to do the like slow burn, but thank you to Jess for, you know, helping me get the most out of myself in on the day. Like I, I am really thankful for that.
3: And Haley, we have a couple announcements, I guess. Well, we have just one announcement major that's still happening because the 12 Days of Feisty is still going on. So if you haven't been paying attention, everyone, you can still go to livefeisty.com forward slash 12 days to jump in on these last couple days of the 12 Days of Feisty. There have been some really good deals giving out. They come to your inbox. You got to sign up to get them though. So make sure you're in on that.
0: Yeah, and Alyssa, I heard we have a mailbag question. I'm always excited when we when I get the email from you and it's like, oh I I hope I can answer this.
3: <laughs> I know, and this was a fake out because our question comes from Lindsay Glassford, our producer for the podcast. And it was like, oh, Lindsay accidentally sent something to the mailbag that we need to do for the podcast. And then it was a mailbag question. So thanks, Lindsay. And to our listeners, just a reminder. You can send in your own mailbag questions to ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com. We love answering them. So this was a really great question. Um, Lindsay was wondering if we recommend doing strength work before or after your ride or run. Um, And so she says that she started thinking about this when she was asked by someone, but then she wasn't really 100% sure. Like she tends to switch it up depending on where she is in training. If she's in more of a strength block, she does it before If she's in speed or endurance block, she'll do the run first and the strength afterwards. That kind of thing. Um, So what do what do we recommend? I don't know, Haley. Do you wanna you wanna go first?
0: Sure. I recommend both. Like I, when she said she switches it up, I switch it up me personally and with my athletes. And it is a little bit more like what is the goal of the session? Um, Like I know that sometimes I want someone to like have a lot of muscular uh you know work done so do a strength workout where you are like stressing your muscular system and then try to and then run like especially on the treadmill if you're already at a gym um and and maybe like run some faster paces with less of a warm up and that is maybe if they're training for a course that is hilly um or hilly and then flat like kind of you can kind of simulate like the muscular fatigue that you would get from being on a hill for a long time and then having to like find speed or like say it was a really hilly bike and then a flat run, um, you know, and they don't necessarily have access to that like outside all the time. Like I think that that would be one of the times that I would do that. Um, but then there are other times when it's like the run is definitely the priority and the focus. And so it's like, okay, let's run first and do strength after. Um, and you know, so do the run, especially if there's like specific intervals, do that first when you're fresher and then do strength when you're a little bit more fatigued, but like, hopefully, you know, if you're doing that as one session, you know, have some kind of recovery drink or something, you know, have your noon recovery. That's like a perfect time to use that. So like, and then the strength should not be cardio. Like, uh, you know, it is very much like strength work because you just did a lot of cardio work. And then I'll say for myself and for others, like sometimes I will actually say like, do these as two completely separate sessions, you know, run hard maybe, or run, do your run. And then like later in the day, do your strength, make sure it's all, you know, be like at least three hours later, which can be hard. Again, this depends on someone's schedule. So like me, where like the focus of my whole day is my exercise, like I can make that happen. And sometimes people can't. So it's all like with what works with their life as well. But there are other times when it's like, okay, I don't want, I want you to run first. I want that run. I want you to be like somewhat fatigued, but not super fatigued. So hopefully you've had time to like get off your feet, get a really good meal in, you know, have some downtime. And then we do the strength and aim to like lift a little heavier. Cause I I notice a big difference in what, how heavy I can lift. If I do it like right after a run or if I do it several hours after a run. So it's, I guess that to answer Lindsay's question, it depends. (laughs)
3: Yeah. And I think I would agree with everything you've said. And I think that it really highlights the importance of communication with your coach. So, um, you know, some, some training plans you might find, you don't have, like, you're just getting the plan. So you don't have that communication, but that's, that's always a benefit of having a coach where you have that one-on-one contact, your ability to ask questions and things like that, because then you can ask like, Hey, what's your intention for this? If it's, you know, if it's not written in there, do you want this sandwich up against the other workout? Do you not? um, you know, should I do it first? Is it second order of events? Is it up to me? Because it does, like, I know that when I'm writing plans, it depends a lot on what I think, um, the like intention of the day is for the body. And so making sure that that's clear and, you know, I can definitely say I might not like spend, write a paragraph about what the intention is for it. So I would totally want someone to be asking me, um, if they weren't clear on that, but, And I think as triathletes, like a lot of off-season strength often is more of the focus point for rather than workouts, depending on, you know, what you're focusing on for the off-season. But, you know, a lot of times during the season, that strength workout might be kind of the bonus workout or kind of like, you know, if you did have time for a second session or something like that, and maybe a little bit, you know, kind of like you said, like to simulate the hills or to simulate things that we're just trying to get your body to adapt to that you don't have access to, or you might be time crunch. So we're just mm-hmm. trying to make it super efficient. Right. And so, you know, it's, it's different for triathletes. I think a lot of times versus even just plain runners or mm-hmm. just someone who's trying to build strength and like muscle. Right. Yes. So, um, So great question. And I don't think we have a firm answer, but I think that's like an important
0: answer still
3: to not have a firm answer. I
0: know because triathlon is a unique sport in that you have three different, even in the race day, you have three different sports that you're doing. And so you are like, there's sometimes when you are trying to simulate fatigue or like you are doing a workout under fatigue on purpose, which you typically don't do if you're a single sport athlete. So it's, It's fun as a coach to, you know, to think about those kind of things. And like you said, and then also an athlete's schedule, because some of it, sometimes it is more schedule dependent. When is the gym open? When can they get to the gym? Um, What is their, you know, their training availability window and how do we maximize that? So maybe this kind of question keeps us in business, Alyssa. (laughs) <laughs> I
3: like it. And, you know, everyone, you can send in mailbag questions to ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, we'd love to give you more more non-answers for the <laughs> non-specific, non- non-answers for all of those questions, but really good topics to kind of bring to light and have everyone thinking about.
0: Yes. I'm also very excited about this week's guest because Grace Tech who We're interviewing. I did race at Indian Wells this last weekend. We did the, we recorded this episode before Indian Wells or this interview before Indian Wells. So she'll refer to, you know, Indian Wells coming up. But, um, Grace, you know, is someone that I've raced with quite frequently this year. And she, we had her in the podcast like a couple of years ago uh, when she just started as a pro. And so it's fun to catch up with her now as she's like a seasoned professional. And she finished fifth. She had a really good race in Indian Wells. So that was, she ran by me on the run. And I was like, Grace. I mean, I don't think I. I don't know if I actually could say that, but it was that was what was in my head. I'm like one of those things where, like, you you have like that. My vocal cords is attached to my brain, but um, but she. I I was admiring her her run as it went by. Um, and to give Grace a more proper introduction, though, she is an Australian triathlete, and she has had you know, several wins and podiums at the 70.3 distance. I think we could call her a 70.3 specialist. And she, I think has been a pro for, I, I should know this, like three years now, but she just this past year, she took the plunge and went full-time professional. And she, cause she previously worked as a physical therapist. And she also kind of talks about the COVID situation in being a international athlete. She lived part of the pandemic in Australia. And then since then, she has been based a little bit more in the United States. And so we talked to her about, about that and how the challenges that come with being an international athlete. And we talked about her recent races. She was also at the Collins Cup with me. Um, and as an alternate, she was an alternate for the international team. And she also raced the challenge championships. So we talked about that and some of her other Racing experiences internationally, and her most most recent races at the LA Triathlon, Oceanside, and Indian Wells. Or I guess we don't talk about Indian Wells. We talk about Indian Wells coming up, but you know how it went. Anyway, we'll have a really fun conversation with Grace right after the break.
2: Women have unique physiology and deserve a training plan that honors this. Sign up for the first of its kind women specific online group training program and join a movement of empowered women ready to harness the power of their physiology. Introducing, FICCI Triathlon Coaching, led by expert coaches Miranda Bush and Jamila Gale Eggins. For just $99 a month, you'll get a monthly women-specific training plan, Zoom rides, AMA sessions, membership to the FICCI team, and more. You'll also get a female athlete guide that provides you with the power to better understand your body and how to get the most from your training. Launching December 1st, 2021 with limited spots available. Go to feisytriathlon.com and click the link for coaching so you can be the first to know when it opens and receive a special price for the first four months. That's feisytriathlon.com. The link will also be in the show notes of this episode. The future of women's triathlon training is here.
0: Hey Haley, it's officially fall and I am drinking my Noon Hydration Immunity. (laughs) Haha, <laughs> Alyssa, I love a good pun and a good warm fall beverage, but can you tell me a little bit more about this new Immunity 3 product? What does the 3 stand for? It
3: stands for vitamins, electrolytes, and prebiotics, the three keys to staying healthy and hydrated this season.
0: Noon Hydration Immunity 3 comes in mandarin orange and superberry flavors, and all Iron Women podcast listeners can get 30% off Immunity 3 and the whole line of Noon Hydration products by using the code STAYFEISTY at noonlife.com. The Iron Women Podcast wants to give a huge shout out to Orca
3: Sportswear for their continued support in 2021. As someone who isn't a natural born swimmer, my choices for swim gear are super important. Orca has me ready to battle for every second I need in the water with the open water, triathlon, and swim run wetsuits. They also have safety buoys, goggles, cold water caps, and booties. You name it, they have it. The code IRONWOMEN15 will get you 15% off, so head to orca.com today and let's get ready to swim in 2021. Hi, Grace. Welcome back to the Iron
1: Women podcast. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me again. So we
3: last talked to you over three years ago, actually, after your first 70.3 in Geelong in February of 2018, where you had this epic sprint finish with Nina Duran and you finished second in that race. And then since then you've raced at least 20 70.3s that I counted, um, with 10 more podium finishes, which is super impressive even more when you consider that 2020 was pretty much a wash for everyone with the pandemic and not a lot of racing. So can you say if one race from the last three years really stands out to you?
1: Yeah, definitely. It's been, um, I've done a lot I guess in the last three years and looking back um, 20 races that's pretty decent especially with only racing once last year um, during the pandemic but I think probably one of my highlights would have been racing in Nice at the 70.3 world championships in 2019 Uh, that was my first race um, at that high world championship level and um, I was just really stoked to be on the start line and I think just finishing that was a huge accomplishment and Kind of gave me that desire to you know keep pushing at triathlon and um, seeing where it can take me and uh yeah, that was probably yeah the highlight of the last three years.
0: I feel like I'm really proud of myself for just finishing that race as well, still, but I think for different reasons, <laughs> I'm just I'm glad I'm still in one piece getting down that descent um, but it was a very epic race and and we talked last time we talked to you, you were based in Australia, and that is, uh, still mostly where you're based. But the last couple of months you've spent in the United States, you did race the 70.3 world championships in St. George followed by the LA triathlon. I saw you there and Oceanside 70.3 a week later, but. Before we talk about the racing part of that, we do want to talk refresh refresh our our listeners a little bit on your your history because um, in our previous chat back in twenty eighteen you talked about being a member of the Providence College um, cross country team and your time in the United States then. So when you go back and forth between the U.S. and Australia, is there anything that you're like excited about the coming back to in the U.S.
1: Yeah, I've definitely spent a lot of my time in America over the last 10 years, really. Um, and I think probably the most exciting thing I would say was would be seeing my partner, Zach. Um, he He's either in America or, or Australia and often probably for six years we are doing long-distance relationships. So I think um, I have to say seeing him is a highlight every time I come to America because usually he's based here. Uh, but obviously... You know, I just think that I just really like it in America. The community with triathlon is really strong here as well. And um, as you mentioned, I've done a few races here in the last few months, which I've really enjoyed. And I think I could see myself basing myself here, uh, you know, for the next couple of years, uh, especially over the Northern Hemisphere uh, summer. So I'm excited to spend some more time here over the next few years.
3: And Grace, I think that this trip uh, in 2021 to the U.S. also kind of was the marking point for the start of your career as a full-time professional triathlete. So congratulations on taking that leap. And we we love to share the stories of the women who embrace the uncertainty of taking a leap of of faith like that, bet on themselves, and kind of go all in. So can you talk a little bit about that decision for you?
1: Yeah, for sure. So I think when I spoke to you last at the start of 2018, I had uh, just taking my pro card up for triathlon, and I had also just graduated from university in Melbourne where I was studying physiotherapy. Uh, and so, over the last three years or so, I was juggling um, part time work in a private practice uh, doing physiotherapy and Pilates classes with training and racing. And so, um, I quite enjoyed the balance because it kind of gave me a, a different uh, mindset. I had the you know the thinking cap on when it came to physiotherapy work and then um and then obviously pursuing triathlon and being able to travel and having that flexibility with my workplace allowing me to do that which uh, I'm really grateful for but I think taking that next step and you know leaving the job and pursuing triathlon full time is what I need to do to see where I can go in the sport I think that um Although I enjoyed the balance of having the physiotherapy, I think from a recovery standpoint, more than um, anything else, it's just really great to be able to sneak in some naps in the afternoon and just embrace the full um, the full lifestyle of being a professional triathlete. It hasn't necessarily meant a huge increase in training for me, um, but it has just meant that you know I can sleep in and take naps and do all those little things that I may have. Um, you know, neglected, I guess, for the last couple of years. So I'm hoping that, um, yeah, I can rely on triathlon for the next couple of years and and put all my eggs in that basket. Um, Obviously, the downside is that uh, triathlon isn't a super lucrative sport. So um, it's hard to sustain yourself without, you know, a part time, stable, reliable job. But it's a risk that I think you have to take if you want to go to the next level. So I'm embracing it. And I'm fortunate that, um, you know, I've got the support of my family and my partner and his family. So, um, uh, and all my friends. So I'm really yeah, excited about, I guess, the next couple of years and that journey.
0: And Grace, can you help us, uh, help me understand like the timeline because did you leave your job right before the pandemic?
1: No, so I left my job before I came to America, so um, in about July of this year. Okay, so it's been And so I actually worked during the pandemic year, which actually worked out really well because with the lack of racing and opportunities to earn money through that, it allowed me to stay sane as well and have that outlet because in Melbourne during the pandemic, we were really restricted on what we could do. I needed a permit to even let me go um, to work um, to show the police if they pulled me over. And, you know, yeah, basically there wasn't much freedom to do a whole lot of training outside your radius and, um, and yeah, lots of restrictions which were needed, but it, it made it helpful that I was working at the time because it gave me, um, yeah, gave me something to do. What was
0: work like during that time when it's like so heavily restricted? Is it very much one-on-one, like work as a physical therapist? Because you obviously need to, I mean, I would think you need to be like in a room with a person.
1: Yeah, for sure. And uh, it was definitely different to normal life um, as a physiotherapist. Um, I think there were just extra um, requirements that we needed to, to do. So we wore masks and shield face shields um and made sure that you know we were hand sanitizing and doing all the right hygienic practices um and making sure that everyone that came into the clinic got temperature checked got asked questions whether they had symptoms or contact um and so yeah i guess when i was working the cases weren't as crazy as they were over in america but um we were still a little bit scared about getting it, uh, in Melbourne. So I think it was just, yeah, added protection. We actually weren't able to do, um, we do exercise classes with Pilates reformers and all that. So we had to cancel them and do them all online during, uh, the pandemic. So did did lots of zoom classes. And then I guess, yeah, the one-on-one um, clients that could come in were only people that were essential and required treatment. So, You couldn't just have someone come in just if they wanted a little massage or or something, which is not really the reason to go to physio in the first place. But there are people out there who who like that and rely on it. Um, But yeah, anyone who probably end up in a hospital setting, um, they're required to or they're allowed to come and see physiotherapists so that they don't worsen their condition.
0: And what about your training? Were you all indoors? Were you able to swim at all?
1: Um, So during, we had numerous different lockdowns, so um, different situations and restrictions depending on on the lockdown, but the first lockdown was March through uh, about June or July, and luckily for us that's kind of the tail end of summer, so the weather was still quite warm, Um, and at that stage we didn't have um, distance restrictions, so I was able to go swim at the, in, the, in the bay, which was very cold. I'm not sure what the conversion is on Fahrenheit, but by the time it got into winter, it was about nine degrees Celsius, which is pretty cold. Um, and so, yeah, double cap. And I didn't get gloves or booties, but I probably should have. Um, and it was more a case of surviving a 20-minute swim without dying of hypothermia. Um, there wasn't much fitness that went into, uh, you know, into the training. It was just swim until you can't feel anything and then go inside and take a couple of hours to warm up again. But um, I, I fell into a good routine with um, running in my local area, found some good trails and um, mixed surfaces, which was really great. And because golf courses were closed, we were able to run along the golf courses, which was uh, uh, yeah, pretty, pretty awesome. Um, and then most of my training anyway is done on Zwift and on a kicker. Um, just because I have a little bit of a fear of riding outside. I don't particularly like it, especially by myself and in the city, it, it tends to be quite busy and, um, not a whole lot of shoulder or bike lanes. So, um, it wasn't that different from my usual training, I guess, from a bike standpoint.
3: And Grace, we do want to talk to you about your most recent races, so let's get into that a little bit. Um, you had a very solid 16th place in the stacked field in St. George at 70.3 World Championships. Prior to this, I think you had raced the Australian, Australian season kind of ending in mid-April. So was 70.3 Worlds the focus after that? And well, I guess we'll start there. What, were you kind of focused on that after kind of ending that Australian season?
1: Yeah, so I was really happy with how the domestic season went in Australia and I knew that to be able to have opportunities to race, I really had to leave Australia Um, and I was very lucky that I did because Australia went into lockdown again and there were no other races really available for me. So my goal was just to race as much as I could overseas and get that opportunity racing in big competitive fields um, and kind of see where I stack against some of the Europeans and Americans that I don't race as often. So um, Worlds was definitely a key race that I was targeting um, but I was also targeting the Challenge Championship in Slovakia and, um, and then adding in whatever races that I had the opportunity to do. So I was actually supposed to head home about two weeks after the World 70.3 chance in Utah but my flight got cancelled so I ended up staying on and tacking on three other races for the season, which was a bit of a bonus. So, um, yeah, I guess 70.3 worlds was a, was a focus, but, um, I'm just glad that I got to race a bunch of other races as well.
3: And how did you feel going to Slovakia and, you know, racing the challenge championship? I know Haley was over there. Haley came back kind of raving about Shamarin and the experience there and the atmosphere. Did you love that race as much as Haley did?
1: Yeah, I loved it. It was one that I had focused on or I had seen many times uh, over the last few years and it was one that I thought would suit me and um, I thought it would be a really cool race venue um, with everything right there. So I was really excited to go and um, it exceeded my expectations and being there to witness the first Collins Cup was a really uh, cool, unique uh, thing. So I just... Yeah, I I really liked it and I'd definitely go back there.
0: Yes, for any of our listeners who haven't heard my stories, but Grace and I were both alternates for the Collins Cup. She was the alternate for the Team International Women and I was the alternate for Team USA Women. So we hung out quite a bit before and then we both did race that ch- championship race. And I will also give Grace credit because – She discovered like the VIP area after the Collins Cup where we had access, and they had this like amazing pasta bar. And so we got to go to this like incredible pasta bar that had this amazing view of like the Collins Cup finish line. And I never would have had that experience if it weren't for Grace. So thank you, Grace. I still like think about that pasta. (laughs)
2: Yes,
0: it was so good. So good. Yeah, Yeah, there were a lot of things about Slovakia that were great, but you know, a good meal you have to take it. Um, and yeah, and so we, I want to talk about like, um, just your, you, you obviously have a running background, um, running cross country and track in college. And I think you've posted about your, progress on the bike and which is a lot of athletes come into triathlon maybe with a swimming background or a running background and the bike can be a little intimidating and daunting because there's a lot of gear and it can feel like you know it's it is a little bit scary to get out on the road especially if you are training mostly by yourself and so can you talk about how you have approached the bike and gotten a little bit more comfortable on, on the bike over the last couple of years
1: yeah for sure and um Yeah, obviously, I grew up with a swimming and running background and the bike is quite foreign to me. And um, I think for me, consistency on the bike is key. Uh, I think it's easy to compare myself to other people and say, like, my times are quite a bit off their bike times. But if I look at where I came from and where I am now, you can see that there is upward trajectory. And obviously, there's a lot left to go to... um, get really competitive but I think for me it's just been about um, looking back and reflecting on how far I've come and then just having confidence in my coach and in my training and just chipping away each season and getting a little bit better
3: do you have a favorite workout that maybe you're, you use when you're, you know, programmed into Zwift or just on your kicker or something like that, that you have done? Like, you know, I have workouts I've done through the years. That's like my old favorite go-tos that I'm like, okay, when I look back, I have seen progress. So do you have kind of a favorite set that you use as your, you know, what you compare yourself with?
1: Yeah, I have a a love-hate relationship with this particular workout. Um, I always dread seeing it on my Um, program but I know that it always gives me confidence if I do well to know that I'm prepared for my race so um, it's a a workout on the wind trainer and I start off with 20 kilometers at half Ironman pace straight into 15 kilometers at Olympic distance pace and then straight into 10 kilometers at sprint distance pace so it's kind of getting faster um, and it's a good solid workout that um i always feel it's always rewarding to finish that but it gives me confidence if i really execute that going into a race yeah
0: that would be a a tough one i'm like i'm not sure if that's what i'm gonna keep in my arsenal 40 kilometers (laughs) or you know 25 miles of work of uh yeah progressively (laughs) hard at work no wonder no wonder you were on fire at that la triathlon that's great um I wanted to like, you talked about, you know, your plans after St. George, you play, I think you, you went on vacation, had off season in Hawaii, you were planning to fly to Australia and your flight got canceled. And so you were able to like, make a really great pivot. When I saw you um, at the LA triathlon, you said you'd been training for only 10 days and you got on that start line. So can you talk about the mindset of, you know, of really making that very drastic change where you thought you were off season and all of a sudden, Hey, you're on season again.
1: Yeah. So I, I think I was at St. George um, when I found out that my flight had been canceled and it was prior, a couple of days prior to the world championship race. And so I kind of knew in my mind that I wasn't probably going to be able to get on a flight until later in the year. And so I took my break well and truly knowing that I'd be racing after that, but I definitely felt like I needed it mentally and physically to take those weeks um, with some downtime. And It wasn't completely off. I was just going and doing 30 minute jog on the treadmill every couple of days, more just for my own sanity. And um, also because with my history with uh, running injuries, I don't like to take too much time off with the running. Um, But yeah, definitely no intensity whatsoever in those two weeks. And I was able to enjoy going out for walks and doing stand up paddle boarding and other things that I would probably, you know, maybe not necessarily get a chance to do during the season. So it was, um, yeah, I guess the mindset going into the first race, um, which was LA Tri, was just, it's an Olympic distance. I like to think that it wasn't, it's not my race specific um, distance. So I went in with the approach just to have fun. And I guess for the last three races of this year, it's really just a bonus, a cherry on top races that I didn't anticipate that I was uh, going to be able to do and um, races that I've always wanted to do. The LA Tri is so scenic and so um, so cool to be able to ride through downtown town LA and then obviously Oceanside I've seen many um, years of, of that race and it was really exciting to be able to do that. And I've got Indian Wells coming up in a couple of weeks. So I think the mindset was just to have fun and enjoy it, honestly, um, and... I think the LA tribe blew some cobwebs out for the 70.3 at Oceanside the following week, which has prepared me well for that. And I think uh, at the end of the day with triathlon, it's about enjoying it. And I think um, there's no point putting too much pressure going into a race, even when you don't feel you're fully ready for it you're a little bit undercooked, but I think as long as you're enjoying it, that's the main thing.
0: And as an Australian citizen you had some like visa issues can you talk a little bit about that and the requirements and how you plan that in with your racing schedule
1: yeah so i'm currently on an ESTA visa which is a waiver program with certain countries around the world where you're permitted to come to america for 90 days at a time um, and you can't overstay your visa but the uh, long-term plan is to apply for a p1 visa which allows me to come and go freely within america for five years um, being uh, supported, I guess, by the PTO on that front. So that will be a great opportunity for me should it all go well and um, I can secure that visa. But, yeah, for the moment, yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's a little bit challenging, but we make it work. And and so
3: does the PTO, um, do they act as like an employer, I guess, kind of sponsoring a visa like most people would kind of have, like an employer to sponsor, that kind of a request coming I don't know. I have no idea how that kind of works. So what, do you know how the PTO is able to kind of help? That's, I mean, it's great that they are.
1: Yeah. So I believe the athlete visa, um, you just need a sponsor of some description to support you. Um, I think other people have it through other sponsors and the PTO are new at doing this, but I think they've had success in a few different cases. So um, I'm just dealing with the lawyer to try and sort out all the paperwork that comes with that side of things. But um, it's still a little bit foreign to me. I'm not 100% sure of the whole process, but I'm lucky that I have someone who can guide me through it
3: that's definitely a plus of the PTO, I feel like.
0: Yeah. Because you have traveled so much, we love asking athletes about their travel stories. And we recently had Fiona Moriarty, Irish athlete on. She told us some really good stories about her travels around the world. We know you've spent a lot of time in Asia and obviously Europe, the US. Um, traveling with all the gear in triathlon and just traveling for Traffon triathlon is, is there's, it's, there's a lot of like chance for comedy there. Do you have any, any funny stories about traveling or maybe even just like a heartwarming story?
1: Um, I've actually been pretty lucky with traveling. Um, the only issues I've really had with my bike was actually coming back from Slovakia where, um, it, it was broken on my return. But other than that, I've been quite lucky. Um, I think probably some of my stories have been not triathlon related and just, trying to dash from one side of the airport to the other to get to a flood on time. But, um, yeah, unfortunately I don't have too many funny stories to share. Your career is young. Your career is young. Just like you. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Next time. All of my like horror stories are like flashing through
0: well, like the time the, the The bike went one way on the elevator I went the other way Grace oh no. also started her career with one of the like the all-time greatest finish line stories right you were like leading That's your very first ever seventy point three and had that collapse and you had such a good attitude about that and so and it obviously has paid off you've won races you've been on many podiums since then um so you you know and again the stories I hope you I hope everything just keeps going smooth and I hope I'm at every race where everything is just smooth sailing I'll just keep doing your races <laughs>
1: Well, fingers crossed, I'm sure there'll be a time where there's uh, some obstacles to overcome, but um, fingers crossed, that's not too often.
3: And Grace, you call yourself a foodie in your Instagram profile, though you have a donut emoji next to that. So I'm not, I'm, I think you're being serious, but I just, <laughs> not a hundred. I mean, donuts are, are great to have specialty into. Um, so I'm curious about food. What's the best food you've ever experienced while traveling around the world for a race? You know, are you adventurous when it comes to that? Do you wait for after that, after the racing?
1: It depends where I am as to how adventurous I get. Um, I think probably one of the best things I discovered was at a race in Taiwan, um, I went, I flew into Taipei and I got there early in the morning and I was walking past um, kind of like a little food cart. And I don't typically choose to eat things from the side of the road, you know, before a race but it looked really good and then I had one and I loved it so I went back and got two more and then I did I went I caught the train down to the race destination did my race came back up and grabbed a couple more on my way out before I got on the plane so it was like a I don't even know what the name of it was but it was kind of like a pastry savory and on the inside was spring onions and pork and I don't know it was really good and um That was, yeah, something I don't regularly do. But I do love food and I like exploring different cultures and um, finding hidden gems um, in different, yeah, racing destinations. But I'd probably say that I'm less adventurous before a race and then afterwards, depending on where my flight home is and how sketchy it looks, whether I uh, take the chance on eating something before I get on a long-haul flight. But for the most part, um, yeah, I'm really into... Donuts and coffee and any other food. Um, basically, most of our holidays, when they're not triathlon related, are about what are we going to eat for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and how can we get more snacks in throughout the day.
3: As an Australian, do you feel that you've found suitable coffee where you're staying in the states, or are you still looking?
1: Um, the coffee is definitely not as good as Melbourne. Melbourne's known for their coffee, um, but I find places and. I'm, I wouldn't say I'm a snob when it comes to coffee. I like coffee, but I'm happy to, to drink American coffee. That's okay.
0: <laughs> You're on an American podcast. You're being very diplomatic. Um, <laughs> but as we talk, continue this adventure theme, I I do feel like I'm like, Grace has had all these adventures, but to her, she's just like, oh, that's just a day in the life. But um, you raced Escape from Alcatraz this past summer, and that is a, a race that's on my bucket list. It's on a lot of people's bucket lists. And... That swim, uh, you know, I, I've heard you just basically jump off a ferry and it's just like go. There's no buoys, there's no nothing, and it's a little bit intimidating. So, what did you think about Alcatraz, the swim, and the race in general? Would you recommend it for for anyone?
1: Yeah, so escape was uh, has been on my bucket list for many years. I've always seen it and been intrigued by the um, the adventure um, of it and. Honestly, it was the best, one of the best races I've ever done. I think it's, um, yeah, it's, it's really fun. The thing I found was I was more nervous for jumping off the ferry than actually doing the race itself. I have a bit of a fear of heights. Um, and so people were, I was trying to ask, are people diving in or jumping in? Because I don't think I can dive. It's not really that high, but it's probably two, two metres, two and a half metres. Um, I'm not sure what That's, the conversion is. It's like yards, seven feet. But, uh, yeah, I was like, Ugh, am I going to be at a disadvantage if I just jump in? Um, but I went with the jump and I think most of the women's field did except for maybe one or two who uh, dived in into the water. But I was expecting it to be a lot colder than it was, but I think my preparation in Melbourne last year during COVID really um, made it feel quite warm in comparison. But they basically... Uh, bring the ferry up in line with Alcatraz. They tell they um, they blow the horn, and then you you literally have to find your way to shore, which I thought was an adventure in itself because you it can get a little bit foggy, obviously, in San Francisco, so you don't have great visibility. And I I thought for some reason they'd have boys or some kind of guide as to how to get from one point to the other, but you really have to understand the currents and. Um, It was quite rough the day we did it. I think Ben Canute has done it obviously many years and he's won it and he said it was by far the slowest swim that he's done to date. So um, I was swimming along most of the time not really knowing if I was even on track, if I had picked the right site buildings to even know if I was going in the right direction. But I just got told don't overshoot the end because if you do and you miss – you know you don't guide it well enough then you're going to have to come back against the current and you're just going to be swimming in like a treadmill (laughs) Um, you're not going anywhere so I was pretty happy to get out of the water honestly because it was rough and um, it was an adventure in itself but the bike course was beautiful it was perfect for me it had a lot of hills Um, it was a little bit technical but uh, not too bad and then the run I think the runs underplayed, everyone talks about the sand ladders, but the whole run in itself was just a challenge. You know, you're running on gravel, you're running up and down stairs on dirt, on sand. Um, At one stage, you've got to kind of go through this little tunnel and you kind of got to duck down, which for me isn't too hard because I'm not overly tall, but I'm sure if you're really tall, you would have had to like almost crawl your way through um, and get, you know, get out. And yeah, it was only a short tunnel, but Still, it was pretty epic, and it definitely goes down as one of my favourite races and best race experiences. So I highly recommend it to everyone, and um, yeah, everyone should put it on their bucket list. I think you'd like it because you're a song- strong swimmer, Haley. And you would be able to navigate it so well you'd probably come out like 10 minutes ahead of everyone else.
0: Oh man, I want to do it. I want, I need to get over there sometime. And uh, I mean, all of it sounds very appealing. It's just so different, right? It's so different than any other race. And I think that, that those unique race experiences are, are what are just what make me really enjoy the sport. Cause there's no way I would ever probably just go swim in the San
1: Francisco Bay. <laughs>
0: like no way, but you know, for a race I will, um, or maybe I'll even jump yeah. off a ferry. Actually,
1: be- before I um, did the race, everyone said, "Oh, there's heaps of sharks there. Like, like, aren't you nervous?" And so I jumped in, and actually the idea of sharks just went out of my head straight away, which I'm thankful for because there are a lot of times during that where I was like, "Am I even close to the to the shoreline?" Um, but luckily, there were no shark sightings that uh, happened.
0: <laughs> You're Australian. You're like, "Oh, I'm used to it." <laughs> I right know.
1: I honestly every time I swim even if it's in the bay where there are very few sharks if any I always have a moment during a swim where I'm like what was that was that my foot or was that a shark in the corner of my eye
3: <laughs> I definitely didn't realize there were no buoys either marking your like path into shore so that's yeah that's something good to know Melissa, for let's, do it. As well. let's do it 2022 <laughs> <laughs> Um, we get we'll podcasts we'll from Alcatraz I know <laughs> <Great>. <laughs> And Grace It appeared that when I was looking at your Instagram I saw that you were maybe lucky enough to acquire um, I don't know a temporary mate While in the US a dog um, So I'm just like very curious who's, Whose dog was that Was this like a homestay dog Do you think a dog was a helpful addition to traveling When you're away from home Yeah so
1: I'm fortunate that my partner Zach he his family of From LA. So we're staying with um, his parents and they've got a beautiful black lab called Strider. Um, And yeah, he definitely helps the recovery. He likes to cuddle up and uh, keep me company on the couch while I'm taking naps. So um, I think anywhere you can go where there's a dog is a a huge plus. (laughs) Grace
0: Tech's secret recovery weapon, Strider. I love it. Um, Grace, I also wanted to ask just about well, on the topic of Instagram, um, you know, I, I follow you and I follow a lot of the women in the sport and it does seem like you are just one of the most supportive women in the sport. And it seems like you are a fan of a lot of the, a lot of your competitors, like you're always commenting and telling people good job and, and they seem like authentic comments, not a, a bot or something that you've just programmed to say like, Oh, Haley, good job. You know, it actually sounds like, you know, it's authentic. And so I'm curious about, you know, your mindset on that and, um and just how you feel about your competitors
1: oh well thank you I um I try to be you know as friendly as I can on Instagram and I know it's hard because it is social media and you have to take a grain of salt or you know what you see on Instagram but I think um there's so many great women in our sport of triathlon and it's inspiring to see all their performances and if I'm not at a race I'm following along to see how people are going and I think that if everyone can be supportive of one another, it really brings up everyone in the sport. So I I, I like to be friendly um, and I'm glad that that comes across um, as authentic. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, if I can, I've had the opportunity to meet lots of new um, triathletes. I feel like I know a lot of people over social media, but a lot of them I've not met in person. So when I meet them in person, it's great. Like I met Heather Jackson at LA Triathlon for the first time and Miranda Carfrey there as well. And I felt like I know their story and I see their YouTube channels and all that. And so to meet them in person is really quite awesome. <laughs> Fan girling inside.
3: So now you're coming up on six months, I guess, as a full-time professional triathlete. So this is, you know, still only the beginning. And... So we have to ask, you know, do you know what's next? I just, I know that the email from Ironman actually probably just came out today with our 2022 schedule for the first half of the year. Um, so maybe this is a little premature to ask you, but have you been planning for next year?
1: Um, I actually just had a look at that email before I got on the podcast. So I was looking at the races um, coming up, but my plan is to head home after Christmas and do the domestic season in Australia. So um, hope, hopefully that will mean about, three or four 70.3 races and maybe some shorter races thrown in there. Um, and then I'm hoping that I can get back stateside and do some more racing in America and then over in Europe. So I haven't really planned too far, but I would say at least until April I'll be based in Australia.
0: Are you excited about another crack at that St. George course, hopefully in uh, I guess it's October, 2022. I mean, it's a long way off, but time moves fast.
1: Yeah, very excited. I really enjoyed the race there and I think um, it's more unique than most races. You're able to um, challenge yourself more on the bike portion um, going up and down the hills rather than just the flat course, which doesn't suit me as as well. But I definitely need to work on my uh, run legs after that hilly bike course because that first three or four mile uphill after getting off the bike was pretty difficult. Uh, this year. So I'm hoping that I can improve on that next year.
0: Well, Grace, it's been so great catching up with you. I I wish you the best of luck at Indian Wells. Can't wait to see you there. And uh, we'll hopefully follow some of your domestic Australian racing over the Australian summer as you, you live the endless summer life that we, you know, all envy. And then hopefully we'll see you back, back in the U.S. in 2022. So thank you again and good luck with your last couple of weeks of, of this season.
1: Thank you very much for having me on the show, and I look forward to catching you at more races in the future.
3: Haley, have you ever been jealous of the elite running or cycling groups who are able to get their blood work done super quickly and efficiently because they have a doctor on staff?
0: Yes, I have been jealous. I have a great primary care physician, but I'll admit, sometimes I'm curious about certain blood markers in between my annual doctor visits. Me too, and that's why I'm excited Inside Tracker is here. Inside Tracker is on-demand blood testing. You pick your plan online, schedule your blood draw appointment locally, and get your results within a few days. My favorite part, they don't just give you data, they
3: provide you with nutrition and lifestyle tips too. For a limited time, Inside Tracker is offering our listeners 25% off of their entire store. Just go to insidetracker.com/ironwomen and get started. Haley, have you ever realized that skincare is an
0: all-season job? It really is, Alyssa. Winter can be just as harsh on my skin as the summertime sun. I rely on Zelios skincare products to get me through every season here in Montana. My favorite winter products are the body lotion, lip protection, and of course, the Twix chamois cream.
3: Mine too. And our Iron Women listeners can also stock up on Zelios products for the season ahead. Use the code IRONWOMEN at TeamZelios.com to get 15% off. That's right. Get 15% off at teamzelios.com using code IronWomen. So, Haley, since we didn't do an Indian Wells workout of the week, what about an Indian Wells recover of the week? What was recovery of the week? Well, how have you recovered? How are you know, I guess I didn't explicitly ask how you were feeling
0: today. Oh yeah. Alyssa, I'm shockingly sore. Like, I mean, I guess I shouldn't be shocked, but I was like, when I woke up this morning, I'm still in California. I'm in Los Angeles right now. And when I woke up, I was like, oh my goodness, I have like Iron Man level soreness from a half Iron Man." And I'm like, why? But um, I recovered first, but I actually walked to get coffee and a donut um, because, you know, got to get moving. And um, I am going to try to do a recovery swim. I haven't looked at it specifically, but I'm sure it's something around 2000, very easy, mellow outdoor pool, which is like recovery for my soul. Um, here in California and so that is what I have for the next couple days very easy movement I I always encourage my athletes to keep moving after a race like even if it's the end of their season uh, because I'm like I'll thank myself next week you know that I am keeping myself moving but sometimes it's the last thing you want to do but you always feel better afterwards
3: for sure I agree with that 100% congratulations to you Haley congrats to Grace on her fifth place um really fun to watch all that racing happening and you're right i think the season is just year round now so we can kind of roll through these holiday seasons even watching races getting ready for races all of the above and we have one more week though of iron women for 2021 haley which is really exciting um so everyone we have we have we still have some some new episode a new episode for you left this year. So don't worry, we're not going to leave you hanging too much this holiday season.
0: Yes. Well then with that, Alyssa, enjoy your week and I will talk to you next week.
3: You have been listening to the Iron Women podcast hosted by Haley Chura and Alyssa Gadeski.
0: Iron Women is a production of Feisty Media and is edited and produced by Lindsay Glassford. Head to livefeisty.com to find more podcasts, events, stories, and fresh perspectives.
3: Thank you to our sponsors, Noon Hydration, Zelio Skincare, Orca Sportswear, and Inside Tracker. You can find all websites and discount codes at ironwomenpodcast.com. Thanks for listening.